This message is made available by the partners and friends of Breakthrough Miracle Life. Catch our live broadcast every Wednesday and Sunday on Facebook, YouTube, Periscope, and on internet radio at mixlr.com forward slash B-R-E-A-K-T-H-R-U. When we understand that we were created to worship, hallelujah, then we will understand that worship is, it's very important for us to understand what worship is. Hallelujah. Now, I've been sharing from Genesis 22. Why do I share from Genesis 22? Because it's the first time the word worship appears in scripture. The very first time you see the word worship is in Genesis 22. And when it appears, there was no Timor on the bass. Hallelujah. There was no Binji on the keyboard. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Sometimes playing the wrong chords. But, you know, when worship first appears, there is no guy on the sax, you know, you know, playing a few scales here and there. No. You just had a man and his son. Hallelujah. In fact, he first comes with his servants. But when it gets to the point for worship, he says, you stay over here. I and the lad will go yonder and worship. Hallelujah. It tells you something. Worship is not for those who are not part of the covenant. They can't understand it. You see, the servants were not part of the covenant. Ooh. Huh? The servants were not part. So he had to leave them behind because worship is an intimate experience between you and the one who saved you. It is, it is such an intimate experience. You cannot have those who don't understand it and who might mock what you're doing. Because the servants probably would have interfered and intervened and said the old man has run mad. Hallelujah. And as I pointed out, and I keep wanting to, pointing it, to point it out because it's very important to us. Isaac was a willing sacrifice. How do we know? Abraham was old. My estimate, he must have been at least 115, 117 there at that point. Because he had Isaac when he was 100 years old. By the time he's taking him to sacrifice him, Isaac is, is a teenager. 15, 16, 17, it's just an, uh, no one's exactly sure of the exact age, but they know it's somewhere around there. Now, when you are that old, you are not going to bind that kid up by force. You can't. Neither do you have the energy to carry him and put him on the altar. So Isaac must have been willing. He must have climbed on that altar willingly and offered up his hands to be tied willingly. And his legs to be tied willingly. The other thing is, how do we know this? Because we know that Isaac is a type of Christ. If Isaac is a type of Christ, we know that Christ was a willing sacrifice. He was not unwilling. He said, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. So Isaac surrenders to his father's will and allows his father to offer him up. Ooh. So worship must always be a willing exercise. Hallelujah. 
Amen. You cannot be forced to worship him. People will ask, why did God allow the devil? Hmm? Why didn't he just stop him from the beginning from tempting Adam and Eve? You know, I've had those very carnal questions. Because you see, it had to be a choice. God was not willing to create a bunch of robots that just worship. It had to be a people who willingly choose to worship him. That's why, even when it comes to eternal life, he says, Behold, I put before you life and death. Choose life. But he gives you the choice. Because you see, if I created a bunch of robots, and every morning I wake up and the robots praise me, you are wonderful, you are glorious, you are... There is nothing special about it. I have programmed them to do it. I mean, it's meaningless if they don't, if it doesn't come from their own volition. In fact, you start even ignoring it and passing it by because you know it is not real. I mean, you could have, we could do an exercise here. We all do recordings where someone is praising you. Eh? I'm saying all sorts of, and you've written them down, written down the things they should say. Then you record them, and then in the morning you just play them. It makes no meaning. Yeah? What makes meaning is when you know that the person who is doing it, it comes from their heart. It's real. Hallelujah. That's why you need to understand when we come here in the morning, it has to be real. It cannot be an intellectual exercise. Blessed be the Lord God. You know, you even know the words, you no longer even think about them. You want to ask someone, uh huh? What does it mean to bless God? Have you ever thought about it? How do you bless the blesser? Yet the scripture says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. How do you bless the Lord? How do you bless the Lord? First of all, that alone should tell you that the blessing is most definitely more. But more these things of the Lord has blessed me. Nafunye motoka. That alone tells you the blessing has to be about more than getting a car and a house and everything. Because otherwise, did you, when you said bless the Lord, did you buy me a car? Hallelujah. We bless the Lord with our true worship. When we extol his name, we raise up his greatness, we magnify his name. When it comes from a heart that's overflowing with gratitude and thanksgiving. You meditate on, worship is supposed to bring you to that place where you meditate on his goodness. You meditate on on how wonderful he is. And here is the thing, and this is the thrust of where I want to go today when we are studying Abraham and worship. We've been talking about how it was total surrender. Yes? And how do we know? Go back and study Genesis and you find something interesting. When God first gives the instruction to Abraham, this is what he says to him. Get your son, your only son, the one whom you love, and go and offer him as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. That's what he says. Amen. When he stops him from killing his son, He says, since you did not withhold your son, your only son from me. He does not mention the one whom you love. Why? Because now he has proven that Abraham loves him more than he even loves his own son. 
he doesn't even have to mention the one whom you love anymore. Before, there was a, do you love him or me more? Then when I test you and you show me that I am more important, I no longer even have to talk about how you love him because I know you love me more. It says, get your son, your only son, the one whom you love. It says, since you did not withhold your son, your only son, therefore in blessing, I will bless you. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 So when we understand this, so now we come to a point and we've been talking about how worship is when you offer yourself up scripture offer your offer your bodies as what a living sacrifice holy and pleasing and remain says this is your true worship notice the word offer that means eh, no one puts you there you put yourself there when say I made an offering, it was free will. I made it out of my own choice. I was not compelled. I made a conscious, deliberate decision to offer. Hallelujah. Amen. But you see, you can get some people who now start struggling in their flesh to offer. But how do I put myself on the altar? How do I offer my body? The one thing we need to realize is this. First of all, we must not view it in the lenses of a big sacrifice you're making for God. You know, you hear people saying, hmm, you know, if God knew how much I've given up for him, I could be in club today. Hmm? You know, <laughs> or someone annoys you and you know what your response is. If I was not born again. If I was not born again, that alone, by first of all, shows you there is still a heart issue you need to deal with. Why? Because you still think of obedience to God as something that is burden, it's burdensome. You still see it as something you're doing for him rather than for you. He says, my commands are not grievous. That's what he says. He says, come, take my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Compared to the old one you are carrying, which means compared to the clubbing you could have been doing. Compared to the beers you could have been guzzling. Hallelujah. Aaron say amen. Hallelujah. Aaron knows these things. Yeah? There was once a time when he was a beer guzzler. Hallelujah. Now he's a Holy Ghost guzzler. Shalamanda sikata. Hmm? You know that? Huh? Be not drunk on wine, but be filled with the Holy Ghost. Direct opposites. Now, when you understand this thing, this is what you get. You, you must come to the place where it is, you don't see obedience to God as a big sacrifice you're making for him. Instead, it is a pleasure and a privilege. How? There must be a change of mindset. Let's see how Abraham sees it. Abraham does not go weeping when he's going to offer his son. 
He does not go as if God has given him this very difficult command. He doesn't go like I would have gone. Because he says, Abraham woke up early in the morning. I would have overslept that day. Because I would have first spent the whole morning debating with God. But, 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 but. Are you sure it is you? Maybe let me first first three days and hear <laughs> properly. Abraham, the moment he hears the instruction, he wakes up early in the morning to obey. He is that eager. Why is he that eager? Because he has come to a place of understanding that everything God tells him to do is actually for his good. He's that convinced. Because he, and how do we know? Because Hebrews tells us so. It says he reckoned that God could raise him back to life. Amen. So he had this thing. He was like, the one thing I know for sure is the outcome of this thing is going to be good. I am convinced beyond doubt the outcome is going to be good. Because the one who told me is good. Amen. Ah. Some people look at looking at me in a way that I can see they haven't yet got it. Hallelujah. When we say the promises of God are yes, hmm? we need to understand the promises of God are yes because of the one who makes the promise. It is not the promises themselves, but the character and the nature of the one who makes the promise. Hallelujah. Amen. The truth of the matter is if I stand here. And Bill Gates stands here. And I promise you a million dollars. And he promises you a million dollars. Who will you believe? (laughs) Why? (laughs) Exactly. You know that Bill Gates surely has a million on his account to give you. But the promise is the same. But what makes the other one have more substance is the one who is making the promise. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 You might be there. I love my pastor. He's a great guy. But my friend, if we are standing here with Gates and we are both promising a million, you know who you believe. (laughs) And if we made it a contest and we are like, ah, ah, he says, you know, the the person who comes here and brings me, I don't know, a bunch of matoke, I'm giving a million dollars. And I also say the same. You're going to come to Bill Gates. He's the one you're going to give your bunch of matoke. Why? Because you're convinced he is able to do what he has said. The promises of God are that sure. They are yes because of the one who is making the promise. And that's why we must come to the place where we understand the one who is making the promise. Hallelujah. Amen. When we come to the place where we are convinced of who he is. We are convinced of his nature, his character and his love for us and his willingness to do these things for us. Then his command cease to be burdensome because you have this assurance in you. God is good. And because God is good, that means everything he does is good and is for my good. Amen. 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 So Abraham doesn't go feeling like, Lord, have you seen what I have done for you? Lord, this is my precious son. The only one. First of all, Abraham has this thing of, in the first place, he's the one who gave me the boy. 
Hallelujah. He knows he's the one who gave me the boy. And he's the one who made me a promise that through Isaac. Remember he had already made him a promise. Through Isaac. I will make you what? A great nation. So when the same God who makes the promise now says come and give him to me as a burnt offering. Abraham is saying look. You're the one who gave him to me. You said through him you're going to do this. Therefore, I know somehow, in a way I may not understand, you're going to make this work out. Amen. You will recombine the ashes and bring him back. Amen. That's how convinced he is. Ay, 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 ay. Can you imagine that kind of mindset? A mindset that is so stayed on God that no matter the sacrifice, I'm excited because you see, that's what they call true worship. True worship is, I have come to the place where I am absolutely convinced of God's character, God's nature, his willingness to be good to me. And therefore, when he tells me something, I don't even have any doubt about it. I just execute Hallelujah. That's why sometimes when I hear people saying, ah, but these things of God. Hmm? He might tell me to go to Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. Some, some of you actually wish to go to Saudi Arabia. Anyway, God is good. Yeah? And you're like, ah, these things of God. Mm. Man, here is the thing. By the time he gives, he, he says, my commands are not grievous. So that means in everything, as he gives an instruction, he has already planned good for you. Amen. That means when he tells you, I need you to fast 40 days, he has a what? And a good one. Amen. It means he has already released grace in the first place. Amen. He's about, he's, in fact, the only thing that holds you back from enjoying the 40 days is because of your own mindset. But if you have in, in your mind, you're like, whenever God tells me something, it is beautiful. He's not, he, he's not interested in seeing me suffering. Let us, don't be fooled. God is not interested in watching you suffering. He's not some sadist who sits there and is like, ha, this one has really tortured themselves for my sake. Let me grant them what they want. No, that's not why we do the fasting we do. No, if anything, you are excited, you're overjoyed. He has told me to fast. There must be great things on the way. There must be a plan he has for me. In fact, you look at it and you're like, for sure, this fasting itself, eh? there must be a plan he has for my body and for my health to make me even better. Hallelujah. I thank God I I cut a few inches off my waist. Hallelujah. In the process, it wasn't the plan. eh? Hallelujah. Neither was it the aim. eh? Hallelujah. <laughs> Side benefits. Hallelujah. Maybe I need like 40 more days. Hallelujah. <laughs> then you don't send yourself. Hallelujah. Amen. But what, when we understand this, Abraham, it is not, oh, he doesn't go weeping. When, uh, but God. You give me this. I'm bringing this son, but very unwillingly. No. He is convinced. He is beyond convinced. There is no hesitation. How do we know? There is no hesitation. 
early in the morning he wakes up and goes he didn't even tell sarah shala katarebrozoba ka i won't go down that road hallelujah my wife might be watching amen <laughs> she knows <laughs> But he doesn't even tell Sarah. He wakes up in the morning, just grabs the lad, says, yeah, we've gone to sacrifice. He doesn't tell Sarah who the sacrifice is. He's that eager and that willing. And don't be fooled. Remember the instruction. He told him, your son, your only son, whom you love. So there is no doubt about the fact that Abraham loves his son. He's not being there thinking, well, I have a spare in Ishmael. No. But he's hallelujah. Amen. But he's going because there is a confidence in him. The one who has said is faithful. The one who has said is true. The one who has said is trustworthy. The one who has said his word you can take it to the bank. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Therefore, he can go with joy. Knowing God has this. When we understand this, then we begin to get a glimpse of what worship truly is. Hallelujah. Amen. Let me share a few things about worship. Because as we go on, as we continue on concerning worship, we... Because the Lord told me worship is the key. Worship is the key. Worship is the key. And I and He's been slowly unveiling it to me. And as He unveils it, I also unveil it. Hallelujah. My idea of worship is being turned upside down. And I thank God for that. Hallelujah. So many times we say all your promises are yes and amen. No. It says all his promises are yes, and in him we say the amen. It is us who say, Amen. And we say it in Him. We are in Him. We, he fills us. He suffuses us. We, he's everything. And in Him we begin to say, so be it. You actually cannot come to enjoy all the promises that are, are yes. Until you have come to the place of Amen. Amen worship. Amen worship. Amen worship is simply... So be it. So be it. I am totally surrendered. I, you are my everything. Everything that I am comes from you. Nothing I can have. In fact, I don't want anything that you have not given me. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's understand some... I mean, in fact, one example that I like using a lot is Esther. The king... Not this Esther. Hallelujah. But the one in the scriptures. Hallelujah. The king, after Vashti has disobeyed, and the king has cast Vashti aside as queen, they tell him, now gather. Hmm? All the beautiful virgins from the whole kingdom, the whole empire. It wasn't even just a kingdom. It was an empire. Gather all of them. And when you gather them, you know, let them go through a whole year of beauty treatment. And the king has high standards. Aye! A whole year. Ah, you guys don't get it. First of all, they soaked them in myrrh for a year. No, for half, six months. 
Then they soaked them in perfumes for another six months. Now, if you understand that all these things, everything in the old points to Jesus, you will see some parallels there. Who is Vashti? The Jews. For in order for us, the Gentiles, the wild olive to be grafted on, the ones who rejected him, there had to be room created for us. He came to his own, but they knew him not. Hallelujah. Amen. The same way the king sent for Vashti to show her off to all of his nobles. He sent for her to show her off and she said, nah, not coming. I'm doing my own stuff. Same thing that happened. Now, we are the virgins gathered, gathered from everywhere. Hallelujah. How we virgins, we've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Now we show up. But you see, even while you have imputed righteousness, hmm, there is still many things they need to deal with you. You still have so many wrong attitudes. You have still have so many wrong mindsets. You've come with a lot of baggage. You see, when you get a villager, no matter how much of a virgin they are, eh? have you ever, uh, you know, villagers, Babiranaka <laughs> You know, people don't use deals. You know, there is a certain, yeah, smell hmm, around them. Hmm? And it takes a long time to get it out. Do you know usually it takes a while when someone comes from the village? It takes a while eh, for them to accustom to city life. It takes a while. Those of you who've had maids, you can testify. Hallelujah. <laughs> the ladies here can testify. Hmm? They show up and you're like, ha. In fact, usually, they've not been wearing a shoe for a long time. Eh? Even the shape of the foot is very interesting. When you try to put it in a shoe. Huh? <laughs> so, you see, you need to understand that myrrh is a cleanser. Ladies, you know, eh? well, those cleansers you use to unblock your pores and remove all the, all the stuff that has accumulated in there. Huh? So, they are soaking these villagers in cleanser to remove all the dirt and grime that has accumulated. And by the way, remember in those days, eh, people never used to bathe every day. Yes. Water is precious. First of all, in Persia, huh? it's, it's, it's not exactly flowing with rivers and everything. Water is precious. That is modern day Iraq. Hallelujah. Amen. So, Water is precious. It's nobles who, 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 who shower regularly and bathe regularly. Because it takes a lot of labor hmm? to feed a tub and then sit in it and what man. They have to be in the fields working. So, these people have accumulated dirt. Before they can go into the king, lest he just be disgusted. They have to be put through. Ma. Hmm? The Holy Ghost has to work in you and deal with those things, those attitudes that keep you from, eh? those things you've been made, you've been accepted in the beloved, but there are things the Holy Ghost has to work on in you that have to be removed. And so six months, they were soaked. Now, after six months, now they put them in perfume because now they've got to change their scent. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Nokafubuka in the king's presence. Hallelujah. <laughs> but you see, there were many girls who went into the king. Only one found favor. But there is a note that's very interesting about how they went into the king. He said, when their day would come, they were permitted to ask for anything that they wanted to take with them when going into the presence of the king. Go and read it in Esther. They were permitted to take, they would ask for anything. If you wanted the crown jewels to wear on you while you're going in, no problem. If you, you know, you wanted a dress made of gold thread while you're going, no problem. Whatever you wanted, hallelujah, you would take. Then it says, Esther's turn came. Hallelujah. Amen. Tell your neighbor, Esther's turn came. Therefore, my turn is coming. Say, Esther's turn came. My turn is coming. Because the word says, time and chance happen to them all. My turn is coming. Hallelujah. But ask yourself a question. The scripture says, time and chance happen to them all. Says the rest is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor yet bread to the to the wise. But time and chance happen to them all. If time and chance happen to them all, why don't all prosper? Hallelujah. If time and chance happen to everyone, why don't them all prosper? If everyone will get their time and their chance, why is it that some succeed and some don't? Because there are those who their time and chance finds them prepared. They take the right decisions. They take the right actions. When their time and chance has come. So now it is Esther's time and chance. And this is one of the most significant statements I've found in that, in that book. It says Esther took nothing except what Haggai. The man in charge of, the eunuch in charge of the king's harem recommended. Ah! Why? This guy has been in charge of the king's harem for years. What does that tell you? He has experience. He knows what the king likes and what the king does not like. He knows what attracts him and what disgusts him. He knows far better than you. You may have grown up being told, you know, uh, diamond earrings and this and that accentuates your beauty. You know, emeralds work well with your eyes and rubies, you know, will work well with your, I don't know what. Huh? But it doesn't matter whether they work well with your eyes or not if the one you're going to hates emeralds. Amen. Do you see the point? But Haggai is in charge of the harem. He knows. Woo! I'm excited. So Esther only takes that which Haggai recommends. She does not add anything. Neither does she subtract. Only strictly what Haggai recommends. And when she walks in, immediately, she walked in, and the king was so excited, he put the crown on her head immediately. 
We've got to understand this is the reason why. Because remember, Hagar is their helper. The whole time they're in the harem, he's their helper. He's advising them. He's the Holy Ghost knows the heart of God. The scripture says he will not speak of himself, but he will take of what is mine and the Father and reveal it unto you. That's what the scripture says of the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus said. He said, the Holy Ghost, the Comforter, he will come. He will not speak of himself, but he will take of what is mine and reveal it unto you. Your Haggai comes and tells you, hey, this is what pleases the Father. This is what is what will cause him to put the crown on your head. This is what will cause him to lift you and put you on the throne. Amen. That is why there can be no true worship without total surrender to the Holy Spirit and to what he says. Hallelujah. Amen. That is why Jesus says that time is coming and now is when those who worship him will not worship him on this mountain, but in spirit and in truth. But remember, he says, thy word is truth. Hey. Hallelujah. Amen. You worship him through the Holy Ghost and the word. The Holy Ghost and the word. Hallelujah. Amen. Hey. That's why I tell people, it's not a worship song when it's not based on the word. Hallelujah. Amen. These emotional ones, nothing. Hold me. Make me feel good. No. Some of them, you could actually go and sing them to your girlfriend, your boyfriend, and whatever. No one will tell the difference because there is nothing about God in them. Apart from the fact that it was a Christian artist who sang it. Isn't it true? Hallelujah. No, there were songs I used to hear. I'm like, eh, okay. I'm waiting to hear Jesus there. Then you finish and the song is done. You go to the bridge and the descant and everything and there's still no Jesus anywhere. It has to be the word. In spirit and in truth. That's what true worship is. You have to let the whole, you cannot enter there by yourself. The Holy Spirit has to be the one to carry you into the Holy of Holies. In fact, that's why you need to understand how they, do you know the high priest used to enter the Holy of Holies once a year? Amen. Amen. Once a year. a year. Now, what you also need to realize is that by the time of Caiaphas, they used, to, they, they used to rotate the high priesthood among themselves. Yeah? It was Zechariah's time, then it became Caiaphas, then it became, they, they, they kept rotating it. Yeah? Everyone got a turn. Time and chance come to them all. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, this is what used to happen. The high priest had these garments. There were all these beautiful jewels on them. Yeah? The Thumim and the Urim and, you know, and all these then these jewels with the twelve, with the names of the twelve tribes. It was a very elaborate garment, and it had tassels at the bottom. Yeah. And on those tassels, you know, there were bells. Hallelujah. 
That's why it's good to sing to God. He loves music and tinkling sounds. Hallelujah. See his crash on the cymbals and the harps and, and all these things and the organs. Hallelujah. Amen. But this is what used to happen. They would tie a rope, a long rope to the high priest before he enters the Holy of Holies. Before he enters, after he's done the sacrifice, he had to cover every exposed part. Remember, he has this thing on the head, and it has holiness to the Lord written to the, on the front. Everywhere. Now, any exposed part had to be covered with blood from the sacrifice. He's just made the sin offering. He's just made for the whole of Israel. Not only that, he has to have a censer. In it, there is what? Incense. A cloud of incense must fill the place. He, even before he enters, he first, it's the sense that he sends in first. So that there's a cloud of incense in the Holy of Holies before he passes the curtain to get in. There were a number of things. One, the clothes were made of linen. So that they don't sweat and smell. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Hey, hallelujah. Because linen breathes. You know, it allows you to... It's a nice material for that, though it is scratchy. I don't know. It's not... Yeah. Now, when they enter, the reason there was a rope on the guy is that sometimes if he didn't do things right, he would die. And no one's brave enough to try and go drag him out because he would die with him. So they just have to pull him out. Whenever they stopped hearing the bells, because, you know, as, as long as he's moving and they hear the bells, they know that he's alive. The moment they stop hearing the bells, they know the guy has died. It's time to do what? That's why they thought Zechariah had died. Because he took so long inside there. Normally it was a very simple process. You get in there, get the blood that you have and sprinkle it on the mercy seat and you're done. They wondered what he was still doing in there. He was busy arguing with an angel. Until the angel said, now I'm making you dumb, lest you undo what God is doing with your mouth. Some of us, our mouths need to be shut before we undo our own miracles. <laughs> the, the angel said, you will not speak until he's born. Because I'm like, huh? somewhere along the way you might say something that undoes what God has just done. So, mm -mm, I'm, I'm shutting you up. Zip. But let's not go there. That's for another day. Now, Zechariah has his encounter in there. But you see, that Holy of Holies at Zechariah's time was very interesting. It was like most of the churches today. There was no Ark of the Covenant. Because they lost the Ark in the days of Jeremiah. There was no Ark inside that Holy of Holies. So all these things they were doing... They were busy fooling the people. There was no presence of God inside there. Ah, Ichabod had happened a long time ago. The glory had departed. So they are going in there and going through the motions. Like most of us are in church and we go through the motions. Lift up your hands. You lift them. Your hands are lifted physically, but spiritually they are down here. Because you are not, you're not surrendered. doesn't matter how high you lift them in the natural. When you have not surrendered in your heart. doesn't matter how much you kneel in the natural when you're still standing in spiritual. How do I know you're still standing? You still want things to go your own way. 
You still want your own plans, your own ambitions, your own thoughts. You are still standing even though you're kneeling. Your hands are down even though physically they are up. Like we used to watch in those movies. Hands up! Because the gun... But he's timing for when he'll bring them down and grab the gun. So he's not truly surrendered. Hallelujah. True worship requires us to come to that place. We are totally submitted. Lord, I am here. Have your way. Whatever you want, wherever you want it, however you want it, as long as it's what you want for me, I want it. If you don't want it for me, I also don't want it. When you are in that place, you've come to that place of total, absolute contentment in God. Because the only things you want are the things he wants you to have. You're like an Esther, you're like, as long as Hegai says I should take it with me, it's good for me. If he says I shouldn't, even though it looks good to my eyes, even though it looks attractive to my eyes, I won't take it. First of all, because there is this. Once you become queen, you can have all that stuff anyway. Hey, seek ye first the kingdom and all these things. Once you become queen, you will have these things anyway. Part of our problem is this. We think we are going to impress the king with the things that came from his own treasury. Because those jewels and everything, they came from his own treasury. It was, it was his stuff that they would wear trying to impress him. So you come and your mindset is, I'm going to do great things for God. Huh? You know that mindset? We are going to do great things for God. We are going to build him a great building. Hello? With his resources? Solomon built him a beautiful temple. And the first time he talks about it, what does he say? He says, I don't live in temples made by men's hands. Then he says, and by the way, as long as you guys seek my face, I'll be with you. But if you don't, I will even this temple you've built, I'll crush it down. <laughs> He's really showing them. Eh? The building means nothing to him. It's their hearts. Hallelujah. In fact, you will find something very interesting. He's more interested in the heart that caused you to put up the building than the building. It's an issue of the heart, not of the building. But us, we are focused on the building and not on the heart when we are building. So the building is not even an issue. Hallelujah. Build it or don't build it is not the issue. In fact, sometimes we miss it because then we begin to look at the building as an issue. Now, the building is not an issue. The hearts of those when they build it is the issue. Hallelujah. Amen. That's why Paul puts it this way. He says, even if you offer your body up to be burned, but you have not love, you are like a clanging symbol. He says they are like whitewashed graves. Meanwhile, he's talking about people who've offered their lives up to be martyred. They've gone out and they've done all this evangelism. They've done all these things that we look at and we're like, a great general of the kingdom. And Paul is saying, if you have not love, you're a clanging symbol. A whitewashed grave. Looking good on the outside, but full of bones inside. Fundamental realignment of the way we think. 
So this whole thing of we are building God a magnificent temple. He's looking and saying, hey, 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 the only temple I'm interested in is the one where I dwell. You. Build that temple. That's the temple I want you building. Then he will say, okay, I know you want... You see, when you build a nice... When you put up a nice building, you're not building it for God. I, uh... Let me say it again. When you put up a building, you've not put it up for God. Because it is you who sits in it. You actually built it for yourselves. That's why you put in AC. That's why you put in lights. And you put in projectors. And all this other stuff. That stuff, you've not put it there for God. You think God cares about these flashing lights. And haze. You know, you do haze and lights and what. And special effects and everything. That stuff is all for you. In fact, when we do all this stuff and the lights are flashing and all this stuff and the screen over there, and all that stuff is for you. For him, he's looking at the hearts of the ones who are worshipping here. That's what is truly to him. What does that tell you? There's nothing wrong with these things. That's why we do them. But they're meant to help you come to the right place to offer him worship. These are aids. They aid you in worshipping. This microphone is an aid. It is to help you in worshipping. It's not like you need to increase your volume so that God can hear you. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) Amen. When we understand worship, our whole life will change. Amen. Amen. It's the way time flies. Especially when you're having fun in the presence of God. Woo! Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. There's some things I'd wanted to share, but next week. Hallelujah. Amen. But let me, I'll share one thing. It's something the Lord put on my heart. I even had to write it down. I normally, I rarely write things. Eh? Unless they are deep enough. Hallelujah. Amen. But I wrote some notes to just to make sure I express it right. Hallelujah. Amen. Worship is the unreserved giving of everything we have to God in recognition of who he is and of his worth. Hallelujah. Amen. You are acknowledging God's worthship. Hallelujah. Amen. That he is worthy. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. You see, when you unreservedly give yourself to God, there's a reason why God says of David, he is a man with a heart after my own. What made David a man after his own heart? He was a worshiper. How do we know? David put aside his dignity. In fact, his wife was embarrassed and offended. The guy danced in his underwear. The king danced in his underwear in front of the whole nation. So the wife said, you have embarrassed yourself in front of the whole country. And David says, I am dancing to the one who made me king in the first place. Amen. Guy danced and danced and danced and said, man, I'm feeling hot. <laughs> Man, and continue dancing like, man, this trouser is becoming a problem. Ah! And continue to dance. Woo! Hallelujah. And Mitchell, Saul's daughter, who had grown up in the palace thinking there is a certain type of dignity. 
is offended. She's embarrassed. My husband has put all his nakedness out for everyone. She had this mindset of, eh, those things are for me to see. Now he's showed, eh? Woo! But it's, what is happening? He's casting aside all of his achievements, his positions, his sense of, of who he is and everything. He's saying all of this means nothing. When I come to his presence, the one who gave it to me in the first place, I put it all aside and I just worship. Hallelujah. Amen. It means when you come to worship God, you forget whether you're a Muganda, a Chori, Musoga, American, what you forget that stuff. This mindset of Manife, Manife, that mindset, eh? you know, for us where we come from, we don't dance like that. My friend, you just dance how the Holy Ghost wants you to dance. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. It doesn't matter whether in Rwanda, where you came from, they dance over how, or where you came, you know. No! You're in the presence of God. You abandon it all for Him. Amen. You abandon all of your preconceived things. Ooh, total surrender, total true worship. Eh? Do you know you, worship literally is here I am. What do you say? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. The moment you say something, your only answer is yes, sir. How high, sir? That's it. So these things the Lord tells you, um, okay. That's the wife I've chosen for you. Don't tell him, Kakati, I tell you, see, where I come from, we don't intermarry from other tribes. He's ah. like, no, I have a purpose. Your marriage, you, you think marriage is about you and the one you're marrying. You know, you've been looking forward to being in bed with them. No. Marriage is more than that. For me, I have a purpose for your marriage. I have an assignment for your marriage. I have, there's a, there's a greater thing. It's kingdom business. That's what true worship is. What he wants for you is what you want. Amen. Amen. Jamie, say amen. Aha. (laughs) Do you know what it means? It means you come to church and you have your idea of how you would like to serve God. And he says, no. I want you to do something else. Hallelujah. You come, and for you, you think, for me, I'm going to be a keyboard player. Huh? Amen. Hmm? See my friend Festo here. When he came, he told me, ah, for me, I've come to sit in church. Amen. Now he heads the, the, the music ministry. Hallelujah. That's what God does. He had his desire. God had his plans. Hallelujah. Amen. Sacrifice is not about cost, but about quality. You know, oftentimes when we talk about sacrifice, we talk about how much it costs you. Mm-mm. It's about quality. When the priest would inspect the animal, he was not checking how many shekels of gold did you buy the, the, the cow. 
Instead, he inspected whether it was lame, whether it was blind. You know, those were the, he was checking the quality of the sacrifice, not the cost of the sacrifice. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 So when you think of a sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving, as the Bible says, you're not thinking of the cost of it, but the quality of it. It cannot be feeble and half-hearted. It has to be full. Amen. Amen. This year, all of us, all of us, by the grace of God, have to come to that place where when we come, the people up here are not the ones busy singing and we are spectators. We are lost a hundred percent in it. You're so lost in it that even if the power switches off, you just keep going. You don't look around and you're suddenly taken out of the spirit as we claim. No, you're so lost in worshiping him. Yeah, that even when Binji plays the wrong chord, you still keep going. Hallelujah. When he gives you the wrong key, you still keep going. Hallelujah. <laughs> I hope he's watching. <laughs> Just teasing him today. Hallelujah. Amen. It has to be the very best you can offer. Hallelujah. Do you know that not every sacrifice was acceptable? Cain's sacrifice was rejected. Have you ever asked yourself a question? Cain was a farmer growing, you know, wheat and everything. Abel was keeping animals. Each of them brought of the best of what they do. Abel brought a nice animal. Cain brought of the first fruits of his ground. God accepts Abel's and rejects Cain's. I never used to understand why. I said, but Lord, what did you expect him to offer? That's what he does. I never thought of it that way. That's what he does. But you see, God had cast the ground. And you are bringing him the produce of the cast ground. That is not an acceptable offering. Go do some trade with Abel. Give him some plants so that you can bring him a sacrifice. Even by then they understood that there was shedding of blood required. Hallelujah. Amen. So he brought an unacceptable because he brought his idea of what he thinks he should give God instead of doing what God wants. When we were much younger, there was a time it was my birthday. Now, those days, eh? money was not plentiful. Yeah? Amen. These days it is. Hallelujah. By faith, we live, we live in the land of plenty. When, God, when whatever we need, God provides. Hallelujah. But those days, the early 80s, yeah? Okay, they were late 80s. I'm not that old. But late 80s there. NRM had just taken over. You know, sometimes we used to even line up for sugar, you know. And they would give us sugar in brown packages. And when it would run out, you would crush sweets eh, and put them in, in tea. It was very strange stuff. But, it was my birthday. I loved soda. 
my cousin hated soda but loved chapati hmm? it's my birthday they gave me a thousand shillings for my birthday to get myself what I want. I said, since it's your birthday, let your cousin go and bring for you. I said, what do you want? I said, I want a Mirinda orange. So, they sent my cousin to go bring a Mirinda orange. She has soda. She figures if they bring soda, we can't share. She came back with a pile of chapatis. Shale, brother, katareba. Yeah. There was Chiboko. <laughs> there was serious gaining. Huh? And then he's sending back to return the chapatis and bring the soda. <laughs> Every time we come to the presence of God and we offer him what we want. Instead of what he wants, we've brought him chapati when he asked for soda. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hmm? Shatale brakasata. The Lord tells you, go and build five houses for the poor, and you say, no, we will build you a magnificent church. He's like, huh? Who told you I asked for a church? I told you to go and build. Five houses for those ones who have no homes. That's why in Isaiah 58 he says, you guys and your fasting. Isn't this the kind of fast that I want? That you loosen the bonds. Eh? That you feed the poor and you take care of the widows and the orphans. Yeah. Saying you're giving me what I didn't ask you for. That's not worship. You're supposed to give me what I want. Hallelujah. There are things I like very much. Yeah? But it would be like, I love, I love a good, nice, thick steak. Well done. But, you know, properly marinated and everything. That's... Whew, whew, hallelujah. Thank God I live in the land of steak, Texas. Flavia doesn't like steak. Hallelujah. Amen. But on my birthday, she takes me to a steakhouse. Even though she doesn't like steak. And on her birthday, I don't take her to a steakhouse. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because I know she likes salmon and I hate fish. But we'll go somewhere where there's nice salmon. And I'll find a way. I probably won't eat salmon, but I'll probably find some chicken or something and go along with it. Hallelujah. Amen. Worship requires us to bring to God what he wants. Not what we want. So when people tell you, we are in revival, we are in revival. But the revival is all about them. And what God's going to do for them. They have missed the gist of revival. Revival is about him. It's about a change of heart that aligns you with him. We are going to experience revival. And it won't be about us. Even when you're sick, you come seeking the healer, not healing. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. You come seeking the provider, not provision. Like, Lord, it is you I want, not the things that are in your hands. 
Hallelujah. Amen. I often tell this story. I once dated a girl. Thank God I never married her. There was this problem. Every single time she called me, she wanted something. Or she would call me, and if she's not asking for something, she talks about all of her problems and all of her issues for like an hour, and then when it is done, she's tired, she wants to sleep. I don't get a chance to say anything about myself and how my day was or anything. But then this guy, then then I went there, and I have to, you know, at all the appropriate places, insert, you know, a few things. But I don't get to the... But she was very beautiful. Yeah? One day I'm in the bathroom. I actually had tears going down. By the way, for me, I have so many encounters in the shower. So I am in there and have tears are coming down my eyes. I'm like, but Lord, I've had enough. And you know what the Lord told me? He said, but Noah, that's exactly how you behave with me. Say that's exactly how you behave with me. He turned the focus. It became a session of repentance. Lord, I am sorry. I had never seen it. Now, that's when I began to understand why God permits certain things to happen to us. He's interested in the process of our formation. He allowed me to go through that just so that he could draw me and show me what was wrong with my own heart? It wasn't even about the relationship. No, it was about God using the situation to train me, to process me, to make me what I needed to become. By the time I was done, I was no longer even thinking about the relationship. Now I was thinking about me and him and the state of our relationship. I was like, Lord, I'm sorry that every time I come, it's all about me. Me, 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 now I'm going through this, now this is happening, now, blah, 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 blah. ah. Before he, has, he will, before he has a chance to say anything to me, I'm like, amen. <laughs> and I march off. Like, hey, but I didn't get a chance to say anything. I want to tell you how much I love you. I want to tell you how much I care about you. I wanted to tell you how much your worship pleases me. You know, he wants to share some words, some endearments with you. Even when you listen to him, eh, you are like the girl. She's waiting to hear how I'm going to solve her problem. So even when you come, when they tell you a prophet is coming, you are waiting for the prophet to tell you on three months from now, I see someone approaching you and they're going to bring you a deal that will change your life. That's your idea of prophecy. You're waiting for the prophet to call you out and say, aha, your phone number. (laughs) Then after he tells you your phone number, he says, and you know you have six brothers and seven sisters. As if you didn't know. Then afterwards, you're hoping they'll now tell you, and I see a white jeep, a UBG. Ha! Amen! I receive, I receive. But if the prophet were to call you out and say, the Lord says he loves you so much. The Lord says your worship is pleasing to him. The Lord says to you, If you can just spend a little more time with him in prayer. And he finishes there. You're like. "Ah." 
<laughs> you will go shopping for another prophet. <laughs> Let us stand up. Breakthrough Miracle Life meets every Wednesday in Lunguja from 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. Saturday for Bible study from 4 p.m. to 8 p.m. and on Sunday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. For more information, call or WhatsApp 704 8989